James chapter 2, and as you are turning your Bibles to the letter of James, just feedback from our confidence vote this morning. Our brother Wonyambe got 100% votes, and that was quite overwhelming, and we're grateful to the Lord for that. And so what the elders will do is they'll still provide a window for two weeks, well, just in case there's anything that maybe the elders are not aware or something that you might be aware that should be, prevent us from uh, proceeding with setting him, setting him apart for the work in Kaoma, please do, uh, do see any of the elders uh, so that uh, we are fulfilling all righteousness. So if nothing within the two weeks is brought forth, uh, it will take us to the 19th just after the, the members meeting and then we hopefully the Lord willing during our missions conference we may set him apart as a missionary to Kawoma. So between now and that time we'll continue asking that we continue seeking the Lord's face continue praying so that all of us uh, we will know that this is the way the Lord would like us to go and that together we may support the work in Kaoma. The work in Kaoma has been there for quite some time and there have never been any missionary pastor there. Our brother Mr. Nawa has labored uh, tirelessly for over 10 years, I think, uh, since he moved to Kaoma and began that work. And we are praying that with Vonyambe uh, going there, the work will grow and even become an independent work within the course of time. James chapter 2. We will read from verse 14 to the end of that uh, passage. The Bible reads, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed, and, and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone who say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith apart from my faith by my works. You believe there is, that God is one, and you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works 
and faith was completed by his works. And the scriptures, then the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. This afternoon we continue in our study of the book of James and we'll be focusing our attention on verse 14 through to verse 20 of chapter 2. And I've said before and I said again that James is seeking to show that true faith shows itself in practical godly living. And that's what James is seeking to help us appreciate that if you say you have faith, that faith will show itself in practical godly living. And in the passage of our consideration this afternoon, we will be considering the character of a useless faith. The character of the useless faith, or as the headings in most of our Bibles where it says, faith without works is dead. Faith without work is dead. And the first thing I'd like to draw your attention to about the character of the useless faith is that of empty confession. Empty confession. And this is what James speaks in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? James focuses here on all those who claim to profess faith or to possess faith. And, and, and he states his preposition in an interrogative manner. And, and the two questions that, that he puts forth are for the purpose of helping understand what he's trying to say, but also to really examine ourselves. And, and the two questions posed in this verse actually declare that faith accomplished, faith that is not accomplished by good deeds or good works is of no saving value whatsoever the sincerity of the professor or the one who professes it. And James suddenly brings a question in a challenging manner so that the audience, his audience and all of us can contemplate the supposed value of the faith that is without works. 
And so he asks, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And again, the phrase, my brothers, we saw this phrase in chapter 1, and again, it also occurs in chapter 2. It indicates the tenderness and concern that James has in, in dealing with this vital manner. He's calling on those who are Christians or those who profess to be Christians. And as he's addressing them, he, he, he's concerned. But he also wants to show this tenderness that as I deal with this manner, I want all of you to, to examine yourselves so that you are not the people that is pictured in these verses. And he, he, he's, he's saying, if someone says as faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? And that phrase, if someone says, it's a phrase that helps us to understand the entire passage on how to interpret what James is really saying. What James is saying is that this person actually claims to have saving faith. James is not saying this person has saving faith, but that this person is claiming to have saving faith. And if this person is claiming to have saving faith, James is saying there must be some realities that you can gauge and see that this faith is true. But if that claim is simply a claim, James therefore warns his audience to be careful and examine themselves. And he's saying this faith which is just a claim what good will it do to the person who's claiming? Because the good in view relates to salvation as it is clear from the second question that he asked, can that faith save this person? And so James is saying that empty confessions, it doesn't matter how sincere the person might be, they can not do good to a person. And so a profession of faith that is devoid of righteous works cannot save a person, cannot be genuine faith. And so as James is dealing with this matter, is really asking us who say we have genuine faith. He's asking the question, can your faith be seen in good deeds? Is there something that can show forth in the fact that, yes, Ever since I put my hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I have given myself to his cause. And therefore, 
anyone is able to see the work that is as a result of your faith in Christ Jesus. And, 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 and James is concerned. And his concern is that true faith shows itself in practical godly ways. And one of those godly ways will be that of doing good to those around. And as Galatians would say, especially to those in the household of faith. And so he's not speaking of simply deeds performed to earn merit before God. Because our, our, our deeds cannot merit our salvation. Christ has accomplished our salvation. And when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith and in repentance, he changes our hearts and transforms us. And salvation brings about a total transformation. And that transformation is not just in mere profession, but in the day-to-day conduct of a believer. When sovereign grace reaches down to, gener- to regenerate and transform a person, transforms a person from a sinner to a saint, from a sinner to a child of God, God creates in that soul of that person a new longing for God. A longing to, to, to forsake sin and brings about this joyful service to the Lord Jesus Christ. It brings about this joyful obedience to all that God requires of, of that soul. But it also brings about good deeds. It brings about good deeds. And oftentimes we, in the, in the Christian religion, if I could use a broad term to refer to everyone who claims to be a Christian, is that you find that there is no balance. You find that one will swing to this end the, other would, the others will swing to this end. So there, is, there are those who simply say that we are justified by faith alone, which is true, but then there's nothing about good works. And then there are those who simply swing on doing good and nothing of being justified by faith in Christ. And here James is saying that true faith is not simply about empty Confessions, true faith, balances faith in Christ, which is the starting point of our salvation. And then the Holy Spirit, who takes residence in us, begins to bring alive the needs in God's kingdom the needs in other believers. And therefore, that faith in us, in our God, moves us to do good to humanity. 
not for the sake of earning our salvation, but for the sake of the glory of God and showing the world that we belong to Christ. And isn't what the Lord Jesus Christ said when he taught them a new command I give, that you love one another. By this the world will know that you have love for one another. And in that, in that component of love, there are so many things that can be included in there. And the Lord Jesus Christ saying, the world will not simply listen to your confession. They need to see love in practice. And one word of doing that is doing good to one another. But James here is showing us that the opposite is true of a useless faith. A useless faith is all about empty confessions. And that's what James is saying. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Those empty confessions, they can multiply and multiply. And James is saying they will not amount to true saving faith. Saving faith is not about empty phrases or empty confessions, but love in actions with Christ at the center. But the second thing we see there is that the character of the useless faith is that of false compassion. False compassion. Verse 15 through to verse 17. If a brother or a sister is poorly, poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. One thing that James he cannot stand, in, in, as we see in his letter, is profession without practice, words without works. And here is, is, is showing us this, this false compassion. And the intention that he made in verse 14, he now illustrates it by this assumption or this example that he gives in verse 15 through to verse 17. And this assumption is, is bordering on unreasonableness as James is really saying to us. And he chooses this illustration to, to drive something home. And, and he's saying, look, you don't need to have this false compassion. 
something must be done. And so what does James do? He, he first portrays the human need. And this need, he gives it is in twofold. Without clothes and without daily food. And the, and the phrase without clothes must not really be taken literal to mean that a person is really naked. It's a phrase that is used in, in the Bible referring to people that are just wearing an undergarment. So they still have something on, but then they're wearing the undergarments. When you read First Samuel chapter 19 and verse 24, you'll you find that. And then the one I like, that's in First Samuel chapter 19, verse 24. And then in John chapter 21. You remember when John, after the Lord Jesus Christ had risen and then went to his disciples, in John chapter 21 and verse 7, verse 7 reads, That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. So that word, he was stripped for work, it's the same one that is found in First Samuel, and it's also the same Greek equivalent that is used for if someone is without clothing. It's that there is something that they have, but it's not something that you really consider as clothes. It's just something really to cover their, their nakedness. And that's what James is saying. But also, it was also a term, this stripped, or without clothing, it was also a term that was used to refer to those who were poorly dressed. And so when you read, like in Job chapter 20, 22, verse 6, uh, in, in Matthew 25, verse 36, and also in Isaiah 57, uh, 58, and verse 7, Again, you find the same word that James uses without clothes. It was also referred to those who are poorly dressed or those who cannot really afford uh, clothes to fit a particular situation or occasion and they will be referred to as poorly dressed. And so that's, that's what James has in mind. And he's saying that if, if someone is lacking clothes, or is rather, rather is without clothes and is lacking in daily food. And then you come across such a person and you exhibit this false compassion. James is saying that is the character of a false faith, a useless faith. And so what... The, the picture that James is trying to drive us uh, is this. That this, 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 this individual is lacking the basic necessities of life. And the phrase in the Greek gives this, uh, this, gives this picture that 
this is what their past is, and their past has continued in the present. So they don't have daily necessities. And God brings them along your path. And you recognize that they don't have daily necessities. And instead of responding to such a situation, you rather just give them this false compassion and wish them well. And, and the phrase in verse 16, go in peace and be warmed and be filled, is indicating that the one speaking or saying these words has been made aware of the situation of this brother or sister. They are fully aware of their state. And instead of doing something to help them carry their day or end their day with some clothing or some daily food, you respond by simply saying, go in peace, be warmed and be filled. James is saying, this is a very heartless statement. It's a total disregard for the welfare of the individual. And even that false compassion is not well intended. Because you have been made aware and there's something you can do and you simply say, well, the Lord be with you. And what verse 16 is really saying is, please, be warm and feed yourself. That's what it's, it's really saying. As if the person has the ability to do so. Because if they had the ability, they would not be in that situation. They do not have the ability to close themselves or to, to get the daily necessities. And James says, if this is your faith, the inescapable verdict is that your faith is useless. And James illustrates his point by comparing faith without works to words of compassion without matching actions of compassion. James is saying, yes, you can pray about the person's situation, that's fine. But surely there's something you can do. This person is lacking the basic necessities of day-to-day -day living. It's not that they're just lacking a small thing to, to pull, to, to, to see the, uh, so that you can see them to the end of the day, but that they are lacking the very basic necessities for the day. And he's saying, don't be so hyper-spiritual and begin to 
bring out this false compassion, surely you can do something. And this is, this is something that we can all be guilty of at times. That sometimes we are quick to say, I will pray for you, which is, which is yeah, it's needed. But when we, when we search our hearts and such a person is made aware or is brought to our attention, we know that if we really looked within our budget or as it were, there is something we can do about that situation. And what is amazing is that many of us can easily become emotional watching a movie, a TV program, a drama of some sort, and even weeping over the tragedies and even becoming incensed about the twists and the injustices that are being portrayed in the movie or in the drama and yet show no concern for the, the plight of a fellow believer whom God has brought to your attention. It's like a, this, this artificial self-centered world has become more meaningful and the reality to us that when we see real needs, we just gloss over them. And James is saying, faith not accompanied by actions is dead. Action is the proper fruit of living faith. And therefore, those of us who are Christians, when we are confronted with certain things and we know we can do something about it, let's not simply say, I'll pray for you. Let's do something about it. Because I believe in a, in a God who's sovereign. And God in his sovereignty brings people in our lives or to our attention because he knows that you can meet some of those basic needs. Now when you look at the parable of the Good Samaritan in, in, in Luke When that lawyer asks, who's my neighbor? Each of those three were capable of doing something about the situation. But the first two, the Levite and the priest, did not want to be inconvenienced. And the Samaritan did something. Charles Haddon Robinson is now late, gave a good definition of who a neighbor is. He says a neighbor is anyone who is in need 
and whose need God puts you in a position to help them. A neighbor is anyone who's in need and whose need God puts you in a position to help them. And, and James is saying, our faith must be demonstrated in action. Not just in force, compassion. You know that the person you are saying, go well, be warm, be filled. They don't even have any clothing on them. They won't even survive the day because they do not have the daily necessities. And therefore, we who have faith in Christ must be able to say, Lord, you've brought this situation to my attention. I don't know why, and I'm sure you know that there's something I can do about it. Grant me grace to, to respond and faith to trust you that you provide my need. And you act. And James is saying, that's what true faith is about. Not just about these false compassions, saying all kinds of things. The Lord be with you. I'll pray for you. It will be well with you, my brother. When you can actually do something about it. And thirdly, we see that the character of a useless faith is that of superficial conviction. Superficial convictions. Verse 18 through to verse 20. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? And James develops his argument even further to support the preposition that he had made in verse 14. And he points out that false, useless faith may actually believe and hold on to conventional or orthodox teachings of the scriptures. But that's no guarantee that it is a living faith. A mere recognition of certain facts about God, certain truths about God's word, without submitting to those truths is a characteristic of a useless faith. It's unproductive. And it will fall under God's condemnation as useless. And so James is saying, yeah. But someone may, may argue and say, look, me, I have faith. And you have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. 
And James is saying, look, I'm not buying this. Claim all you want. Say all you want. Let your faith be seen in your actions, in your conduct. Your claim is no guarantee that you have genuine serving faith. And the logic here is that here is a person who says, look, that one has faith, I have works, and, and it's fine with me. You can't have all the gifts, you can't have everything. So I have works, they have faith. And they're both good manifestation of a Christian faith or Christianity. And James is saying there's no such a thing. Faith is seen in works. And your works must confirm that you have faith in God. It's not that you have one or the other. One shows itself in the other. And the other confirms that you have the other. Faith shows itself in your works. And your works confirm that your faith is genuine in God. And in verse 19 he says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even demons believe and shudder. He said, you get this superficial conviction. If you believe that there is God, well, you do well. By the way, you're not the only one. Even demons do so. And when you read verse 19, there's a sense of sarcasm in, 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 in James. And, and, and it's because he wants this, this news to really sink in in his audience, to sink in in all of us. That is not just about this shallow, superficial conviction. It's about that conviction being seen in how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself, and more so how you are willing to do works for the glory of God. And James is saying, demons have an accurate doctrine. They're they, they actually a step ahead of you. They just don't believe that God is one. They actually believe and shudder. So if you are simply going to say you believe there is one God, well, here is the news. Demons are a step ahead of you. They believe there is one God. They believe the word is, the scriptures are God's word. Jesus Christ came and died for sinners. He was raised from the dead. He's now ascended in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. There is belief, there is heaven and hell, and they shudder. And James is trying to say, look, one of the reasons could be that because they know that God's word is true and their doom is sealed, they shudder at that very thought. But how much more you, if you claim you have saving faith, you must not only believe there's one God, 
You must be willing to do service for this God. And one way is that you are brought to your knees in total surrender to this God and you are willing to do whatever this God says. Saying, a mere affirmation of doctrinal truth, even reformed doctrines, cannot bring a person to salvation. The Jews believe there's one, there's one God. But when you read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. But James is saying, don't just end on verse 4. Go to verse 5 as well. For you cannot believe the truth of Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, without obedience to Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, which says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He said, Just to end there, even demons do that, but their belief does not lead them. To salvation. And this must be more than simply intellectual conviction. It must work itself through works, through good deeds, throughout our conduct. We need to pause and examine ourselves. Do I merely affirm reformed doctrines? Or do those doctrines which we cherish find room in my heart and causes me to do that which my God requires of me? Because it's, it's always a sad thing when, it's sad when you hear people are saying, no, you know, reformed, reformed people are not good at w- doing good works. Which is supposed to be really a mockery to us. Because if we believe God's sovereignty and we say we've been saved by faith, let that faith permit through us and let everyone know that it's not just mere intellect or mere intellectual conviction. We leave these things out in our day-to-day lives. And this is how the world will know that we have true faith. In the midst of all kinds of professions, in the midst of what, what Christianity is, let the world see that profession that is consistent, our faith in Christ, and then that faith producing works, good works in our lives, so that the world is able to see that there's this Christianity 
that is consistent. It's not just intellect. The intellect is there. They can explain things as the scriptures bring them out. But also they leave them out. Therefore, if one wants to know what true Christianity is about, may they be willing to point to us because our faith will produce good works. Not because we want to merit salvation, but because we know that our salvation is what is working in us to do that which God requires of us. Of us. It is faith alone that justifies. But faith that justifies is never alone. It is faith alone that justifies. But faith that justifies is accompanied by good works as we see in the book of James. Salvation is a gift from God. And when God saves us, he transforms us in and out. We are born of the Spirit. And that transformation brings about a new look to the whole of life. And that new look causes us to do exploits for God because His Spirit that is daily conforming us to the image of Christ, to Christ's likeness, is daily growing us as we read his word. And therefore we, 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 we launch out into the world, lifting the banners of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we lift those banners, we are showing the world we are saved by faith, and this is what this faith is able to do for the glory of our Savior. Christ, when he takes residence in our hearts, he puts his, his banner there and he wants that banner to fly high for the whole world to see. And as the world see, may they see a consistency between our faith and our works. And when they inquire, may we point them to what the scriptures teach. Faith without works is dead. And we need to search ourselves all of us, do we merely confess the truth of the scriptures or are we leaving them out? May God search all of us and if we are found wanting, may we be brought to Christ 
so that from this point henceforth, our faith will show itself in our works for the glory of our God. Amen.